This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Break a shot! Oh, my goal! My is Far post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Last weekend, after defeat and knowing I was taking over hosting for the next four games, I thought our old mucker, Rich Pullen, had sold me another painful podcast hosting experience after whatever happened last season. Instead, we debut the Low Strangers 21-22, the Garrett Weeks, with a wonderful victory up in the social construct that is Yorkshire. And here with me to revel in it all is Dan. Hello, Dan. Morning, gentlemen. What a privilege to be doing a morning record with you. This is a true treat. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done a morning record. I feel like it was some point during lockdown of 2020. Um, also with us today, having made the long journey back from Yorkshire, is Terry. Hello, Terry. Morning, morning, chaps. I think we did a little bit too much revelling yesterday, Connor. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to see Dan Hunt's meticulous note-taking this morning because, look, I could easily blame my lack of awareness and analysis of yesterday's game on the terrible, terrible away end where you can't see anything. But I could have been sat in the pot seat at Wembley and I still wouldn't have been able to see much of anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, impressions from the ground. I just thought it was a classic kind of club that have come up from non-league ground, really. I, I don't didn't notice much of a difference to like Forest Green or, uh, I don't know, Crawley or something like that. Is, that. is that fair to say, Terry? It was just all new, wasn't it? It was all like that. That uh, it was actually a lot smarter than I think because they've obviously. I don't know where the money comes from. 
I don't know who's behind it. Obviously, it's the manager's dad who's the chairman, isn't it? But um, they're obviously spending a lot of money on it bit by bit, and they're doing it and they're doing it slowly, and they're doing it at a sort of sensible size. So it was all smart and a bit and small, really, I guess. But look, great day. I mean, some some of the best football food I've I've ever had. Should we? I think we have to talk pies, right? I think I think before we get into the nitty gritty of the game, we've got to talk about the pork pie. Yeah, well, I think let's bring in Dan at this point just to say, Dan, what would your ideal football pie be on an away day? Because I feel like we need Ooh. to. We Normally, need to north of the border. Oh, I say north of the border. What am I? North of England. <laughs> I've had some very good pies. Huddersfield, Oldham, places like that, Rochdale. Wigan, so, Wigan, great pie. Yeah, gee, I've never done Wigan. That's a bit of a blind spot for me. Um, but yeah, please talk to me about pies, gents. I'm all ears. I'm, I'm going to let you do the poetry, Terry. I mean, when, when you when you get into the ground and ask ask the the lovely young member of staff by an account what pie what pies they have and, and and they respond chicken, steak or pork, I think you're 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 on, your, your ears immediately prick up at the idea of a pork pie, right? And like, was that like a what like a hot pork pie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want peas and gravy? Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Is that mint sauce? Yeah, okay. I'm going to put a load of mint sauce in it. And quite frankly, it was absolutely delicious. It was top three f- football scrams of all time. Massive, delicious, hot pork pie, gravy, mushy peas, mint sauce. Took my jumper off to enjoy it. <laughs> it, was just, it was just sensational. Yeah, I do think eating that with a white jumper on would have you know, been a, a dangerous thing to do that early in the day. Um, For my part I got gravy all down my sleeve which uh you know I could still feel when I was getting back to Southampton late in the evening so um yeah it felt very good to to eventually wipe that down because it went very far up that sleeve but there we go guys we're here to talk about football as well I'm sure most people don't want to hear us talking about how good the pork pies and Harrogate are but they are really good so if we're back the next season in the cup in the cup um first round before we get knocked out um it's going to be a dream. Dan, you enjoying it from the comfort of the French villa that you... No, le- legally, um, yesterday. Um, but, uh, allegedly. You, you wanted to just pretend to be in the French villa anyway. Just uh, absolutely. Vibes, right? well, We're it, on a vibey episode. It was perfect weather to be in the French villa. It was about 21 degrees. Kids playing in the garden. Me managing to enjoy the game. They didn't get in too many scrapes. Don't tell them ever. Um, but no... Um, <laughs> yeah, it was um, a much more relaxing affair, um, helped by a very poor Harrogate side. But just on Harrogate, I just want to mention that I've worked with a chap, um, Andy, Harrogate Town fan, for about 10 years. And he always used to mention he was a Harrogate Town fan, and he would always get the same sort of like, oh, that's nice. Like, well done, good for Harrogate. But. <laughs> It just shows you how far they've come from that sort of conference north, you know, community club to where they are now. That manager and chairman combination is probably not quite as unique in non-league. I'm sure there are chairman and managers who have fathers and sons or father-in-laws. What's the exact relationship? Remind me. Don't know. Pass. They are father and son, I think, aren't they? But um, I, I believe so. Certainly in football league terms, that's... Um, that's veering on, you know, proper unique. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good on them. But you can see 
that momentum they carried from the promotion um, and the sort of, you know, pre-Christmas punching above their weight, it's a hard thing to maintain, isn't it? And actually their form this side of Christmas has been pretty horrid. So in many ways, it was the perfect game for Swindon going to Harrogate. Poor form, loads of injuries. Um, listening to the Harrogate comms, you know, they were pretty resigned to their fate early doors. Um, they just sort of, you know, how nice it was to play a big team like Swindon, big away following, sun's out. Yeah, they were on the beach. Perfect game for us. Just just one more thing on Harrogate, um, which has completely made me do a 180 or my opinion of them as, as being an outstanding little club to go to. They were once, they up until 1935, they were known as Harrogate Hotspurs and they changed their name. Why would you change that name? <laughs> Such a good name. But of course, there's another Harrogate side as well, isn't there? Harrogate Railway, another fantastic name of a football club. They've had a bit of yeah. FA Cup good fortune in my lifetime. They've they've been on telly a couple of times, I think. I think formerly Jerry Yates was at the second club, wasn't he? He was at the, the Harrogate Railway team club, whatever they're called. Hey. If I'm not mistaken, on loan at some point. But anyway, let's let's get on to the game. Terry, I thought it was quite a slow start to uh, obviously we're saying this now with I guess we scored after about twenty five minutes or so, but like the first 10, 15 minutes was fairly I'm not going to say even, but like I just don't think a huge amount happened, right? Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think we we were it, it, it had the feeling of um, it was going to go one of two ways, right? We were going to sort of slowly go through the gears and ease away from them, which obviously in hindsight is exactly what happened, or it was going to be one of those where we don't go through the gears and and like, I'm a huge Bangana fan, but I do think sometimes his teams do just they don't overextend themselves or at least they don't appear to be overextending themselves. And the, his plan to nick a one nil goes really badly with draw nil nil, which is what I thought was going to happen ultimately before the game. So I think it was quite a, quite a subdued start from both teams. Um, but what we did do is have a, is have a big element of control in the game. And it is, it is quite, I mean, it's tough watching games at, at ground level, but it does give you a sort of unique perspective in terms of, in terms of what the players are seeing and, and and what the players are saying as well, you could hear pretty much the whole you know, the whole team. So the, the, we were we we struck it, it, we we struck me the side struck me as being sort of very calm, very in control, not trying to force it. And I think we sometimes have been quite guilty of um, of of forcing it in the wrong way. And, and I don't think we we had we didn't have to do that yesterday, but it, it was just a sort of very smooth acceleration through the gears, and, and ultimately ended up with us looking like a very, very good team. Um, you know, Jack Payne hit the post. That must have been really early, I think. I mean, that couldn't have been much more beyond the 10th or 12th minute. Yeah, I think it's 12th minute. Yeah, exactly. And then and then obviously we 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 uh we we nick a double in the second half of that opening opening half and and it was really comfy, wasn't it? But the game could have played out very differently. I think if you don't nick that first goal then then it becomes frustrating and then the crowd get a bit aggy and it just it just sort of goes south and becomes another Rochdale. But it just goes to show, more than anything, I think it just goes to show the the fine margins that we're dealing with, right? And I don't this is this isn't just a Swindon thing. This is just football like at the business end of the season. What did we play I'm I'm gonna say we did play better than Rochdale and Crawley, but not not sort of outrageously better, if that makes sense, right? Like Josh Davidson missed two absolute sitters in, 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 at Rochdale. 
and we took and Louis Barry scored his two sitters today that were put on a plate for him. In, invert those two things, and they're not too dissimilar. And, and I don't want to take credit away from the team yesterday because it was a very good performance. But I think it just goes to show the fine margins that it's it, it's so you know it's on a knife edge these games, um, and it all comes down to just nicking a goal, but nicking a goal when you can, and, and defending better in in your own box, which we um, didn't really have to do yesterday. But does that make sense in terms of like, in, like there, there's nothing between these performances really? Yeah, we were kind of having a conversation on the train on the way up about how the last three games the results had been really bad. I mean, one point from nine from the previous three games, uh, but. The, the actual performances in them, like they they weren't horrible. They were like most of the way to being okay. And then it's just about being decisive in the correct moments. And like you say, early on we were. Um, and Dan included in it was probably the one player that there's been a little bit of a clamour for um, in recent weeks um, in terms of Mandela Egbo um, brought into the starting lineup um, on uh, Saturday uh, by Ben Garner. Um, obviously, pr- pretty much immediately involved. Um, in some really good play, uh, gets his, get, gets himself an assist um, on his first start, and and then got another one minutes later as well. Um, what did you think of that selection when um, when that happened? Um, when you saw the team come out? Well, yeah, I think um, we can't really talk about selection without thinking about the formation as well. Because I've had a little look back this morning, and I can't really make up my mind on what formation we played. I think. At the start of the match, I had it in my mind we were playing 3-5-2. Egbo right wing back, Tomlinson left wing back. But as the match played out, Egbo, if he was a full well, wing back, he was playing much higher at the pitch and really making that pitch wide, which um, in his sub-appearances so far seems to be something he's really good at. He, he hugs the touchline, he stretches the pitch wide. And when you've got passers like Reed and Conroy who love... A diagonal, and we did some excellent crossfield passing yesterday. Um, Egbo looks like he's going to be a real asset because when he does get the ball, um, he's generally pretty direct, which at League Two level is, is dreamy when you've got Davison near post and Barry arriving late on the far post. Um, and as you saw for both goals, um, decisive crosses. And wow, well, we say Barry couldn't miss. But given Swindon's recent finishing woes, um, I, you know you don't want to take anything for granted right now. But yeah, two um, two assured finishes from Barry. Great to get him off and running again. Um, and as we'll touch on in the second half with, with Davison, really great to get another couple of goals under his belt. But yeah, what what formation did you think we were playing, gentlemen? So it's, I, def- it's definitely a back four. See, I thought Hunt was quite tucked in. Yeah, I, th- so, I thought there was an, a definite element of fluidity. It was kind of so like... What's really interesting in, is in Garner's post-match, he actually talks about this. And he actually talks about us playing a lopsided shape. Yeah, it looked it. So it's almost like a... It was almost a good version of... Um, and cover your ears, kids. John Sheridan. I know what you mean, yeah. And, and, and you, Where Grounds used to play kind of centre-half come left-back. Ish and hope was kind it, it of like wing back, come um, forward, wouldn't he? In a way, lopsided John Sheridan shape, where it was definitely a back four, but our our game was so driven down the right hand side. The idea being that Barry tucks in and hits the back stick, yeah, creating space for Tomlinson to overlap. But on the other side, you don't do that. 
Rob Hunt plays more conservatively. Yeah. Egbo plays higher and wider. And or everything came down the right hand side in terms of crossing into into the back post where Barry is literally is told to hit the back stick. What you didn't see is when the ball went down the other side, Egbo wasn't joining Davison as a second striker. No. So it was it is definitely a back four, but again, this comes back to my dis- um, absolute hatred for dis- um layman's as we all are trying to discuss. <laughs> formations right because it's so much more complex than any of us really understand like in terms yeah. of what in terms of what professional football clubs actually do off the ball and on the ball in shape there's you know Swansea your Swansea manager used to talk about having seven lines not three so you can't call it a four three three or whatever but like I think I think in general conversation it's definitely a back four Andalo is left centre mid um Reed is the holder obviously Payne sort of went wherever he wanted Egbo played really wide. Barry tucked in, created space for Thomas around the left, and that that's pretty much what we did, right? So it does look a bit lopsided. You're right. Yeah, but I think what what I'm gearing towards is actually, you know, some credit needs to go to to Garner and the players there because that's that's not the simplest thing to execute, is it? And um, it's been executed very well. Um, really played to Egbo's strengths, played to Barry's strengths. Um, you know. I had a good chat with Louis Barry at the sponsors evening on the Low Strangers table, and he was really at pains to say he's not an out-and-out striker. He, you know, he loves playing off the left. That is where he sees his career. So, you know, the formation fitted him perfectly. Arriving at that back post twice, um, yeah. It, so obvious question to both of you, gentlemen: If Harry McCurdy's fit on Monday, does he come back in? Question one and two: Where does he come back in? And and Connor, I'll let you take that. But there is an obvious answer as well, right? Well, I mean, we'll come on to the injury to Rob Hunt later, but I just think that really changes how we play. So, like, probably being lopsided in the way that we were, maybe is not going to happen on Monday, just because I, I can't see. I mean, I mean, unless you're going to play Odomeo as the right back and have him stay at home, like I, I would imagine, surely we kind of play. Egbo as a more attacking fullback on on that side, um, with McCurdy ahead. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't know where he is if he's fit or like obviously even even if Egbo has actually been training at right back when he's been at Swindon. I know that like traditionally like he's come through um, at various clubs as a fullback, um, but we're now playing him further forward. So it'll be. Probably what I would expect would be Egbo to start right back on, on, on Monday and then that makes room for McCurdy at right wing. Yeah. But it would be I'm not I'm not actually secure in, in that uh, prediction. I don't think McCurdy will start. I think that's probably the the the, the straightforward answer, right? I think hmm. it, I'd be surprised given the fact he wasn't fit enough for the bench yesterday for him to come straight back into the team. So I think if he does, then then we do as as Connor said there, and that's what that's exactly how I'd expect us to play up at Hartlepool on Saturday. But on Monday, I very much would expect um, Odomayo to come in at right back. Yeah, and it'd be good to get Odomayo back in the team. And actually, I think he'd do that, you know, centre-half, come right back, stay-at-home job pretty well. Yeah, I think I think so. It all depends on. I mean, there's there's a lot of moving parts here, right? You've got the you've got the Egbo minutes. You've got you've got McCurdy and and how is he fit to start? Almost certainly not. You've got lots of sort of moving parts, but I think um, 
you know, relevant of personnel. I think taking that momentum, we needed a we needed a statement victory, and and that first half was 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 outstanding. Right, we should have been, by my account, we should have been four up by half time comfortably. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. Let's talk about those chances, yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the goals first because the, the, chronologically the goals happen. And I feel like we've not kind of enjoyed them <laughs> enough. I mean, yeah. for the first one, it's sort of kind of we try and do the same thing twice, right? There's there's a cross from the right which doesn't quite get there. It's cleared back out to the right. It comes back, cross comes back in, goal. But I mean, the second one. It looks very very similar in terms of the way that the goal is actually scored and the, the cross across the face of goal, but that ball down the side by Reed is just absolutely sumptuous. Like I just can't stop watching it. Yeah, he, uh, it's just delightful to watch. Well, Reedy, and he's shown it twice yesterday. Reed is the pre-assist king because <laughs> that yeah. ball down the side for Egbo made Egbo's life so easy, which made Barry's life so easy. And then in the second half, his little dinked ball from deep midfield into Payne's chest. Okay, you, you sort of take it for granted with, with Reed, but you have to appreciate each moment for what it is. And he's just absolutely quality. I, he had a bit of a mixed first half for me. There was a couple of occasions where uh, he misplaced a pass, which is most unlike him. A um, couple of occasions where he had to make quite clever tactical fouls, and he did. I think a different ref may have given him yellow in that first half but uh, you know the ref let the game flow really well I thought um we, we don't often praise ref but yeah just I can think easily four or five tackles and interceptions in that first half where Reed is just in the right position all the time he's just magnificent to watch and that probably wasn't even his best day yesterday <laughs> Yeah, but what it was was like a, a bit of a return to form, I think, um, Terry, because that that was better than we've seen from him for the last month or so. Oh, definitely. And, and uh, the simplicity of that second goal is brilliant, isn't it? Like, keep the ball, work it along the back four, work it in and out of midfield until, until you trigger their press. So they start drifting up the pitch. As soon as that happens, they create huge space down the channel. And you, you go from... You go from 20 yards inside your own half to a goal in three touches and it's just it's just absolutely perfect it's just brilliant um you can't ask for more but yeah i think reedy <clears throat> it seems to be a bit of a trait with our players i'm sure it's perfectly normal for all for all footballers right but i think it's really noticeable at the moment in so much that it seems to take players a couple of games to get back into it really i think i think and we've had obviously since Christmas, we've had a couple of key injuries and we've obviously had Reedy's suspension twice. And it just seems to take him a couple of games to get up to speed. And, and Reed was was right at it again yesterday. Um, Jack Payne's, you know, getting better and moving, moving the needle every day. Louis Barry was significantly better than he was at Rochdale, which obviously was his first game back. So I think um, ultimately, I think that... The players seem to sort of get marginally, incrementally better the longer they play together, which is a really obvious thing to say, right? But perhaps, hopefully, it's happening at the right time. And, and, and yesterday, you really couldn't find much fault with any of them. I think that the the sort of omission from the first half is that Davison miss as well, right? So, what a ball from Tomlinson that is. Um, Superb. Um, out, just outrageous, outrageous sort of... It's not really a cross, is it? I don't. I think you're like devaluing it by calling it a cross. It's just absolutely pinpoint. Great movement from Davison. He stuck it wide. I mean, all right, that happens. I'm not going to drag him for that. 
But yeah, we could have quite easily been falling in love at half time, couldn't we? And it, and it wouldn't yeah. have flattered us. It would not. The have other flattered. one, the other one we need to mention was the the Harrogate tackle that played Louis Barry clean through, which I, I think listening to the comms, a flag did go up, which may have slightly foxed Barry, but the referee played on because knowing it was a Harrogate foot that actually played Barry in. Um, but yeah, with that, another golden chance and Barry could and should have had a hat-trick before half-time, which would have been, well, very notable. <laughs> yeah, um, and it probably would have been like just reward for like how he played the game because everything he did in that first half was absolutely brilliant. Probably a little bit quieter in the, the second half, but I think that's just a case of you don't need to really go for it when you've got a no. big game on Monday coming up as well. Um, and I think that was kind of, we move into the second half, was then kind of the story of the game in that we dominated proceedings. We didn't overextend ourselves. We just waited and waited and waited. Obviously, we score a third goal quite early on, and that wraps up the game and allows players to kind of be taken off as and when um, their their loads might be a bit too much. So obviously, we know that um, Tomlinson has been carrying an injury recently. hasn't been quite the same player in the couple of games that he was first back. Looked better yesterday, but you know, if you can take him off after an hour, then you can take him off, and uh, that's probably a really good sign for Monday. Um, Terry, for that third goal, I mean, just just a, a really great moment, and you just like can relax for the rest of the afternoon after that goes in, right? Kills the game, <laughs> absolutely kills the game, doesn't it? And <clears throat> I'll never, I'll never, I'll never tire of, of just watching Josh Davidson score because he just enjoys it so much. Um, in fact, it, it, everyone just seemed, it, all the players just seemed, you know, absolutely delighted with that third goal. I think they understood that that was job done then, and. Um, and it was a cracking, it was a cracking little goal, wasn't it? I mean, I really just, just, I, I will get, we'll come on to my match later, but Andalo's assist for that goal is just absolutely brilliant, and he was outstanding all day. And look, Davidson misses chances, we know that, but he took that one very well, and he's starting to, um, you know, seven in sixteen now. I think we'd have all taken that, taken that when he joined, wouldn't we? Um, he couldn't. Yeah, I think he had quite a lot to do. With that third goal, you know, it's 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 been slipped through to him. It's a it's a busy penalty area, and he just he just tucks it, and he loves a little through the legs, through the legs, simple finish, doesn't he? And, and that and that very much was job done then, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, on Davison, gentlemen, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was chatting to my friend. So, you know, seven and sixteen. I think for him, is a ruddy good return actually. And you look at his career numbers up to joining Swindon. This is a fairly prolific spell for Davison in his career so far. But what's scary is you think about how many chances he's missed. Um, and, yeah. you know, what goals total he could be on with a bit more luck or a bit more finishing prowess. And that may sound that may sound like a bit of a barbed praise. But actually, listening to the Danny Wilson pod uh, a week or so ago, excellent pod, well done, Rich. Um he spoke about going and watching Charlie Austin and the sort of moment, the sort of penny drop moment where he thought, you know, we're going to sign this lad is actually, he was always in the position to miss, <laughs> which sounds odd for a striker, but with Davison, you know, he never shies away. He is always in that box. He is always in the position to miss. So actually I'm starting to think like I go in waves with Davison. I'm thinking if we stay down, we should definitely sign him. If we go up, maybe not. But actually, he has developed, even just in the 16 games at Swindon, 
And I think the fact he is always there to miss, I think he's another one with coaching that may be, may be a grower at Swindon. What do you think? I really think that he's the sort of player that if you had a senior striker who maybe isn't going to play every game, but like just knows, like the back of his hand, where the goal is, maybe has 150, 200, 200 league goals in, in his career. Um, just for that kind of giving him, and it probably would have also applied to Tyrese when he was here uh, earlier in the season, just kind of the know-how to get into the position. Like obviously a couple of years ago we had uh, Jerry Yates kind of learning his trade off of Owen Doyle. Uh, yeah. And I feel like th- that's probably the missing piece for Davison is like he like j- just the like how do you exactly weight your finishes and um, how do you approach a, a ball coming in a certain at a certain angle if you want to get it through this kind of gap and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's it's percentages away from like him having probably like one of those kind of seasons like we've seen Paul Mullin or yeah. something like that. Well, easily he could have had at least twelve. A bit more luck. Slightly better finishing, and that that's a really I good sign. The thing, that, the thing that I love about Davison is that the goals obviously are, are great. Uh, the fact that he misses chances is frustrating, but I also agree it is actually probably a positive thing. He's in the position to miss the chances. He gets through so much work; it's really important yeah. to how we play. And like, if you're Louis Barry, having someone who gets through so much work like makes your life easier coming in at the back post as well. So. Um, he's just a joy to watch, eh? um, and yeah, definitely very, very glad that we've <laughs> had him for the second half of the season. Yeah, super likable fella. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to for me, Dan. I think you've hit the nail on the head there with your with your with your final comment. I think he's just really likable, and I think that I'm, I'm I'm notoriously optimistic, right, when it comes to football. And I'm constantly always just going back to I'd go to football to enjoy myself, and if, if I'm not going there to moan, I'm not going there to shout abuse at people. I want I want players in the team who are fun to watch, and I don't mean fun to watch as in like they're doing three double dragbacks and and going back and beating the same fullback four times because actually that's not fun. And what I, I, want, I just want players to to look like they're at it all the time, look like there's a plan, um, and look like they're enjoying themselves and, and really want to be part of this club and this community. And I think I think that that. That, that sentence probably sums up the whole team this year. Win or lose, like playoffs, no playoffs, doesn't matter really in the grand scheme of things. What does matter is it's really fun to go and watch this group of players. Um, and I think Davison embodies that. I think he works hard. I think he does it with a smile on his face. He bloody loves scoring a goal. Yeah, he misses some chances, but he goes again, he goes again, he sticks himself in there time and time again. How how can you not like that? Tyrese was exactly the same. One of the most likable footballers to watch the like, that we've had for years, um, and that's what that's all I want. That's all I want out of, out of our players. Yeah, and I think props to the coaching effort at Swindon because I think Simpson developed at a rate of knots. And don't get me wrong, playing games helps, but I think you can see the effects of good coaching and good tutelage at Swindon, and that's without there being a senior striker as well. Simpson's thrived, McCurdy's thrived, and now Davison. Um, I think is improving. Uh, and I mean, that was for the third, a really smart finish. I think we probably have to mention the the fact that there is an injury that does play a huge part in Iandolo being able to angle that run to the way that he did. I was, I was kind of screaming out for Iandolo to shoot because it really just sat up for him. But to have that presence of mind to play it and, and it's a fairly simple finish for Davison in the end. Absolutely great. Uh, obviously, 
then you have a very long stoppage um, for the for the injury, which which was a, a shame. Looked like quite a bad one. Yeah. Um, and probably because of how long that stoppage was, it wasn't that long until Davison's in on the act again for a second, which for my money isn't is the trademark Davison kind of finish. Yeah. Uh, because he's he's always like the angle for that finish, Dan, is not an easy one. The goalkeeper closes it down quite well, and then it just goes through his legs. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Uh, with strikers there, you, you take your luck there because um, all you're trying to do is hit it low and hard. The keeper's obviously trying to counteract that by come flying out and shutting down the angle. Sometimes it goes through the keeper and sometimes it hits the keeper. Um, but yeah, I mean, Davison, as we've said, deserves a bit of luck. Um, smashing finish. And it just goes to show having teammates like Payne when you're a centre forward, as Davison was there, just playing off the shoulder. I mean, Payne, what a dreamy teammate to have. Because you got a player there with the quality to just stick it on a stick it on a plate for you four nil. If if the job wasn't already done, then it was absolutely done with a cherry on top. Um, yeah, just I was getting greedy then when I was watching. I was wanting double hat tricks. I wanted to stick six or seven in. I was thinking goal difference boosters, but you know, fair play, Garda. He just you know cooled our expectations. Some sensible subs. The team. Played slightly within themselves after that. I mean, we could have had further goals. Louis Barry got in down the left looking for the hat trick. A low shot saved. You obviously had the Iandolo uh, rasper on his wrong foot. Which, um, I wish had gone in. I so, so wanted that to go in for Ellis. I think um, his growth and form at the minute is just tremendous to watch. It, um, and uh, perhaps you can tell us about his new chance, gentlemen. I mean, I just, I just, the whole Ellis Andlow story, I, it's just one, it's just my favourite narrative of the whole season. And look, I've, I've always been a sort of big fan of him. Um, which sounds like one of those sort of things that you say when you, when you, when a new band comes out and you say that you, you know, you saw him, you saw him in the, the back room of a pub, but that's, you know, I, I was always a fan of him as a left back and I always had him as a left back and I fell out with people on defending him as a left back. Um, but, his his emergence has just been it's just been unbelievable this season. Like he, he, I just didn't have him emerging not only as a first name on the team sheet centre midfielder, but also as a cult hero. And I think it's, it's just so refreshing and and and, and uh, enjoying to be in, enjoyable to be part of. And you know, there's football's a funny old game, right? We were talking about player of the season yesterday. We were talking about man man of the match on the way home. There are millions of different reasons why <clears throat> certain fans connect with certain players, and you know, yesterday you could you could give man of the match to eight of our eleven, well, it, it, ten of our eleven players, right? Because JoJo didn't do anything. So, who'd you give it to? Well, for me, it standing watching Ellis play next to you know standing next to his dad while his little brother. Starts it starts his own chance in the away end. <laughs> like you, you can't you can't take the the sort of human element of this of this story out of it. You can't take his sort of eight years to get a hundred appearances and his battles of injury and being written off by most of the fan base time and time. You can't take all of that out of the out of the story. And ultimately, we we love stories, right? We we love we love human stories. And and right now, Iandolo is just the biggest feel-good narrative around this club. 
in, on, on the playing side. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And he's only three years away from the uh, 10-year testimonial. I mean, look, he get it in the bag. He's 26, and who doesn't love the idea of that? <laughs> <laughs> more importantly, uh, more importantly, give him the armband next year. Oh, give it, give it now. I don't, I don't care. Just give him for the playoff final. If we get there, if we, if we get that far, he definitely needs to be walking us out Wembley, right? That's that just has to happen after the season that he's had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also the thing that I really enjoyed about his effort crashing against the bar was everyone immediately turning to Tyler in the way and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and giving it large um, after the the tattoo bet that that he has on at the moment um, for um, Ellis. So. <sighs> There, there are a few moments. I think Gladwin um, had a, a decent shot saved, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, Barry probably could have scored um, at, at one point or another. Um, and then, you know, just towards the end of the game, as we've, we've kind of seen it out, uh, we kind of get the kind of sour note to the afternoon being the, the hunt injury, Dan. Yeah, similar to the Harrogate player going down. There was no... No player near him. I think Hunt just landed awkwardly. And it sounds, so from Ghana post-match, it sounds calfy. My worry was it was going to be knee. Um, if it is calf, that's probably slightly better news for Hunt than knee. Knees can get awfully complicated. As you've seen with pain, right, back in um, January. It, I mean, just took him so long to actually get back on the pitch and build that strength up back in the knee. So who knows? I mean, what's best case for Hunty? We get him back towards the end of this season, but more realistically, like Terry's just said, that might be one to uh, just give Hunt a pat on the back. I think that was his 40th start of the season yesterday. He's he's played a real big part, right back, left back, right wing back, left wing back, centre half and a three, centre half and a two, like he is Mr. Versatile and like I and Delo, right? I, I want Hunt to go on and become a real stalwart of Swindon um, and just become part of the furniture because he's, he's a great guy to have around as well. Uh, and following that as well, obviously down to 10 men after already making our subs quite early, which was, <laughs> fun. funnily enough, I think I saw people sort of <laughs> complaining about that after last week. We started complaining that the, the subs weren't made <laughs> early enough. So <laughs> it's funny how football goes sometimes, but after that, down to 10 men and, and, and concede a, a relatively poor goal, but I don't think anyone was, was too fussed about that. I'm sure, I'm sure the defence are a bit annoyed and not getting their clean sheet bonuses and all that, Terry. I think, I think Jojo will be really annoyed because I, don't, I, I think that's a pretty poor error on his part to just shovel it back out six yards six yards in front of him and but who cares at that point I'm not going to spend time I'm not going to spend time go I'd rather spend time talking about the the idiots who slags Ben Garner off for not making subs and then slag Ben Garner off for making subs to him <laughs> uh, absolute <laughs> absolute <laughs> lunatics a lot of them but there you go um, yeah. Yeah, I did because... feel a little bit for Harry Parsons who'd obviously <laughs> come on up front um, or replacing Barry sort of left of the front two or three whatever it is because, um, yeah, I was hoping he would score a cheap goal and then he ended up sort of playing right back, uh, <laughs> which, you know, he, he filled in dutifully, but uh, it just probably robbed him of uh, the opportunity to get off the mark at the right end of the pitch. Well, I guess we kind of discussed the game there. If we go on to man of the match, I know who Terry's man of the match is, but if we start with listeners' man of the match, uh, we did have um, people suggesting uh, Iandolo. 
Uh, I think we only had one nomination though for him. Uh, we also had one for Conroy, two for Reed, uh, I think three for Payne. Um, and then by an absolute landslide, we got 14 votes for Egbo. Um, so I don't think that needs to go to a poll. That's a, <laughs> he's got more votes than the rest of the votes combined. So um, listen as man of the match to Mandela Egbo. Um, so Terry, are you sticking with Ian Delofa man of the match, or is there is there someone else that you want to put forward? No, I think I think obviously Egbo first half was really good, and 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 he was probably the difference maker in that first half. So I think if you had man of the first half, Egbo wins it. If you have man of the second half, Davison wins it. But I think <clears throat> for for me, who put together the most complete ninety minutes, I think it probably was Ellis. Um, and that's look, we we spoke we spoke yesterday about how. We probably need to stop take do, doing sort of hot take man of the matches. And Louis Barry scored a brace, Davis scored a brace, Egbo's got two assists on his on his full debut, and I'm giving it to a centre midfielder. <laughs> none of those things, but who cares? It was fun, and I really liked watching the game sitting next to his dad and his little brother, and they're they're a cracking family, and I couldn't be happier for the lad. I, I mean, just one tiny little sort of anecdote on Ellis Anglo and Ellis Anglo's dad, without even knowing who this man was like Alessandro looks exactly like his dad it's just terrifyingly like they're like twins 25 years apart so weird sign him up yeah like we it's not even like we were introduced to who that was it's just like you're looking like wow okay we know who that is (laughs) um (laughs) um Dan who are you going to suggest do you know as you know a long-term Iandolo fan a big fan of his of his recent form but I probably would Without the Terry influence, I was going to go for Egbo, actually. Um, I'm probably with the listeners. Um, to come in on your first start and make that big an impact. Two assists. Um, other notable moments where he drove forward from that, that right touchline. I'd probably say Egbo just pips it from Iandolo, but Andalo also superb. And, of course, always a couple honourable mentions to the the people who stick it in the net and make it a much easier game. So Davison and Parry probably uh, take the each way money in third or fourth. Yeah, and and, and Chat Payne and Louis Reed. Right? We joke about it every week, but let's let, let's not forget that those two are two extraordinarily good players for this level and shouldn't be playing at this level. Oh, hundred percent. Every every week, every week that they do play at this level for us is an absolute privilege to watch, and they were both outstanding again yesterday. Honestly, it's hard to choose a man of the match. I guess I'm going to have to cast the deciding vote between Egbo and Iandolo. I Like last week, I really struggled to name someone because everyone was just kind of about the same level of okay to not not great. This week, everyone was pretty much the same level of brilliant to fantastic to watch. Um, I, I think, yeah, just just for the role in like the, the key parts of the game, I'm going to have to go for Egbo just in, in, in the sense that I feel like it wouldn't have been quite such an enjoyable afternoon had we not been 2 up really, really uh, early on. And I think he he's the player that has the most to do with that. I know he's not scored the goals, but he's put two two crosses on an absolute plate. Um, absolutely glorious. But yeah, I, I mean, Iandolo is fantastic and uh, I think he, he would have been really good value for a goal as well. So um, I'm sure we'll be able to give it to him at some point <laughs> in the rest of the season. And, and we will come on to Monday. Uh, guys, we're not going to f- pre- uh, preview Monday too much, um, just because I think JR is going to do it later on when when we got the presser. Um, but you guys looking forward to it? Uh, I'll go first. Um, yes, uh, very very much looking forward to it. Really chuffed we won up at Harrogate because that means 
you know, we're still well in the hunt going into this home game against Orient. Um, selfishly, my little lad's playing on the pitch at half-time uh, with the Community Foundation four- to six-year-old class. So uh, please keep out for the little lad in a purple Swindon goalkeeper shirt and Sondico gloves because he's going to be doing his best to uh, keep the ball out the back of the net. So, yeah, it's my, it's, yeah, it's actually my wife's birthday. And now our little lad's playing on the pitch. She's coming along. So, happy birthday, Mrs. Hunt. Welcome to the county ground. <laughs> um, I mean, Terry as well. The, the game is going to be a ritual narrative just in terms of who's returning for his first game in the, the county ground dugout as, a, as an away manager. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back, Paul Terry. Um, <laughs> delighted to have him back. <laughs> um. Yeah, frustrate, I'm, I'm frustrated not to be able to go Monday, but such is life. Um, you can't go every week, so I can't go every day. Um, this Easter sort of double, I think, on paper, don't tell Ben Garrett that I said anything about fiction. Ben Garrett? Ben Garner, anything about fiction. <laughs> the, the, the Burton goalkeeper, wherever I, he is now. Don't tell <laughs> the Burton goalkeeper or Ben Garner that I started talking about fixtures on paper because he'll say that it's ridiculous. And he's right. Um, but on paper, they, we, we did have probably the easiest sort of double header over Easter and, and we've done half the job. Now we've got to go and finish the job. Um, so let's let's not focus on anything other than other than doing that during the 90 minutes. Beforehand, look, I'm not going to be there, but please, everybody, just give Richie Wellens a really nice reception. Like, we don't have many title-winning managers. Um, let's, you know... Just respect the fact that he did a great job for us and and, and engage with the fans in a way that we've never seen before and, and, yeah. and is actually a, a top, top bloke. So, no, let's not have the Anthony Grant debacle of chanting his name mid-game, which was absolutely pathetic. But let's give him let's give him the respect and the credit he deserves before the game and then let's let's smash them and 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 keep this keep this role, you know, keep this um season running for another for another week. Really selfishly. Yeah. I'm going to Hartlepool and I don't want to go all that way for <laughs> a dead rubber. <laughs> but yeah, I'll just second what Terry said there on Wellens. The thing, I've got friends who are staunchly against Wellens. Why? Really just can't can't forgive that sulfur of business. But um, I'm with Terry. Wellens' job he did with the historical context of doing it under power and dual. And the way that unraveled, I think Wellens' history will be kind. And I, I'm pretty much there anyway in terms of he did a great job at town, deserves a big round of applause before the game, and then hopefully he can get his uh, Leighton Orient side to roll over and get their bellies tickled, which would be <laughs> the perfect payback. The other storyline, of course, is um, you know Easter weekend. Uh, the rising again of a long-haired leader of men, um, Harry McCurdy. So uh, let's hope we're talking about McCurdy's two-goal salvo off the bench. <laughs> I mean, that's the perfect place to end it on. I can't wait till Monday. We'll be back on the podcast as soon as we can uh, to discuss, hopefully, another win. Fingers crossed until then. Guys, thanks for joining me this morning. Cheers, Colin. Cheers, Cheers the 
Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy... Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.